0: If you will and you have your Bible, let's stand in reverence to the reading of the scriptures tonight and the word of God. And let's pray and ask the Lord to add his blessings on the uh, services tonight. Notice, if you would please, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number four. And we'll begin reading in verse number 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting. I want you to watch the play on the word net in nets throughout all of our scriptures tonight. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets, plural, and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw two other brethren, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father, and followed him let's pray fathers we bow before you tonight i thank you for the wonderful presence of god for the music the testimonies lord we thank you for what you've done in our own hearts this day and how we have been encouraged in the services already today i'd ask you now that you'll bless this church thank you for the faithfulness of your people lord i thank you tonight that we're a part of a church that loves missionaries and missions and thank you tonight for what the church is able to do for Brother Thule and their family. I thank you for his testimony of 24 years of faithfulness on the ministry and testifying to the good grace of God and the miracles that you performed in the salvation of sinners. Lord, I would ask you to continue to have your good hand upon them. I pray your blessings on our pastor and Miss Nalita and the family. Lord, may you continue to supply the needs of this church. Raise up more families for the ministry and more for missions and more young men into evangelism and for pastoral ministry and to do the work of God. Bless your people tonight. Help thy servant as we stand. I pray you'll give us clarity of mind, clarity of speech, clarity of thought and heart, that we may preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. Give us your divine presence and power, we plead, For we ask it in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. I don't know if any of you enjoy fishing or not. I truly enjoy it. I very seldom get to go out fishing. I am an outdoorsman. I love hunting, love sports. When I was a young man in school and um, when we lived in South Florida, Mrs. Ellis and I in the West Palm Beach area, a total of about 10 years, we used to go out deep sea fishing. And if I were to be honest with you tonight, and I hate to admit it being a man, but she would always outfish me for some reason. We could be on a drift boat and or on a small boat that we had, and we could literally have our lines just about three or four feet apart, and it seemed like she would always get into the king mackerel, and I would get into the small sand sharks and just the junk fish of the ocean. In fact... I began to pray that she would catch more because we would take them to the fish market after we had gone fishing, sell them, pay for our fishing trip and all of our expenses. And then that's how we went out on our dates and spent a good Friday evening. Come to think about it, maybe we need to go fishing and go to the fish market. It's been seemingly some time with everything closed down. But as we consider fishing, I want to look at all of the four Gospels. We'll probably only look at three of them tonight. We'll look in Matthew and Luke and also John's gospel. And I would like to examine the fishing trips that the Bible records that Peter went on uh, in the scriptures. He was a fisherman by trade. Uh, He was one that God uh, saved and then called into the ministry. And so there are three various fishing trips, independent fishing trips. Mark's gospel deals with one of them, but it is a repeat of what other we find. And I believe it's in the gospel of Luke. And tonight I would like to look at each and every fishing extravaganza that Peter took and see where God used those in his life. And God did a specific work in Peter's life until we come into the book of Acts where he stands and preaches in Acts chapter 2 in the day of Pentecost and Acts chapter number 4. So tonight, if you'll bear with me a little bit, we want to uh, look at the scriptures and uh, dig into this and for just a moment. And again, I want you to notice the play on the singular use, net, and the plural use of that word, nets, in our text. Now notice, if you would, in Matthew's gospel in chapter number four, that Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee. He is getting ready to establish his disciples. As he walks by the Sea of Galilee, the Bible says here that he finds two brethren. One is named Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. And the Bible said they were casting, watch this, a net into the sea, for they were fishers. Now, according to our text, they were standing just slightly offshore, and they had a net, and they were casting it, and they were catching fish. There's a lot of speculation as to what type of fishing they were doing and what type of fish they were after. And to be honest with you, I don't really care what they were after. I don't care what type of fish. At this point, we'll find a significance in that in the closing of John's Gospel in chapter number 21. The Lord willing, and we can get to that text tonight. But as we examine this text, I'm more interested in the fact that they were casting a singular net, and Jesus. Jesus comes walking on the scene. Now notice in verse number 19, And he saith unto them, Notice the the command that was put upon them. Follow me, and I will, and watch this word, make you fishers of men. They were fishers of fish, but they were not fishers of men. They knew how to catch fish, but they did not know how to catch men. And so as Jesus walks by he simply says and it's one of the most powerful testimonies and commands in the word of God and with that simple command follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Simon Peter and Andrew left their secular occupation, their upbringing and their skills and their trade and their livelihood and they followed the Lord Jesus Christ. With that simple command follow me and I'll make you fishers of men now notice in our text in verse number 20 and straightway they left their nets and followed him now notice in verse number 22 for the sake of time and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him you say, Preacher, what is God trying to do in Peter's life in this first record of his first fishing extravaganza in the Bible, in the Word of God? God is trying to teach Peter the power of a surrendered life. He simply walks by and says, Peter and Andrew, I want you to follow me, for I'm going to teach you a new occupation. I'm going teach instead of having uh, the ability and the skill uh, to catch fish, I'm going to teach you how to catch men. Yes. And it got their attention and they walked away and the Bible said that they not only left the net, they were using, their left all their nets and they left their ship and followed the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. May I say to you, my friend tonight, regardless of your occupation, regardless of your skills, regardless regardless of your trade, regardless of your ability, and regardless of your talent tonight, God's still calling men to become fishers of men. And God can use you tonight and your occupation. God wants men to surrender to his perfect will. Wouldn't it be wonderful that during these times of the pandemic, not only of America, but the entire world, We're excited about getting back to church. We're excited about testifying and worshiping God. And we ought to be and thank God that we are. But I ask you tonight, wouldn't it be wonderful if in the midst of all of this, young people, young men, young ladies and young couples would step forward and say, God, I don't have much, but what I have, give I unto thee. Tonight we need someone that will step forward and surrender to God's perfect will for their life. You never know what God's going to do. You'll never know how God could use you unless you step forward and take that first step. I enjoyed the testimony tonight of Brother Tule. Stepped out on $100 a month, very similar to what Mrs. Ellis and I did with $150 a month. Uh, 30, uh, I guess 33 years ago, and stepped out and believed God to supply the needs. And I'm here to testify tonight, even as Brother truly did. God has not failed us yet. And I got news for you tonight. He's not going to start tonight, nor tomorrow, nor next week, or next month, or next year, and the next decade. And if he doesn't come, he'll not fail in the next century and throughout the ages to come. He is a God who calls for surrender tonight. A man by the name of Robert Robert Moffat had come back from Africa. And he was in his church and he was going to challenge the men that night. He had in his heart that text, Unto ye, O men, I call. He arrived at the church and as he stood to speak, there was nothing but women in the congregation that night. He struggled with God about whether he should continue with his message and preach on that subject matter, On ye, O men, I call, when there was no men in the congregation. But the Holy Spirit of God kept him pressing it on his heart to preach that text. He stood and preached as if the a house was full of men. Little belongs unto him in the attic of that church, pumping the uh, billows to the pipe organ was a young man. And that young man heard that challenge that night in the upper chamber of that church, uh, pumping the billows for the pipe organ that night. And when the invitation was given, no one in the auditorium flinched or moved. But my friend, in the upper chamber of that church, a young little man bowed on his knees and said, God, I'll endeavor to be that man. I surrender to the call of God and the will of God for my life. I'll be that man. That man surrendered, and God began to work in his heart and his life. He went to the dark continent of Africa and spent his life there. You and I know him by the name of David Livingston. And Mr. Livingston gave his life there in the dark continent of Africa, there in the Congo. There was a man by the name of Mr. Stanley who was an atheist that was sent to uh, criticize and critique his work. He traveled with a Mr. Livingston for quite some time. And after traveling with him for quite some time, he put his pen and paper down, bowed on his knees and trusted the God of heaven that had saved David Livingston and called him into the gospel ministry to be a missionary. And he also surrendered his life unto the Lord. You'll never know what God could do with you, young man and young lady, until you're willing to step out and surrender to the call of God. There's a song that's written, and Mrs. Ellis sings it from time to time. It's entitled, Bury My Heart on the Mission Field. That's written in memory of David Livingston. He died one night in an all-night prayer meeting, and uh, England had called for him to be sent back to England. And the Africans said, but his heart is in Africa. He loved our people and loved our nation. England required that his body be shipped back. They went in and surgically removed Mr. Livingston's heart and buried it in the dark continent of Africa in the Congo. They would take his body and pack it in a little handmade boat. They would take water and uh, mud from the depths of the river and pack it over his body. It took him six months to move him from where he was to the ocean so they could transport him back to England. I've been in Westminster Abbey in the small chapel, and one of the first uh, memorials that you come to is dedicated to Mr. David Livingstone. You never know what God will do with you tonight if you would but step out and surrender. They were casting a net into the sea. But when the master called, they left all of their nets, all of their occupation. They left their boats and they followed him. God was calling him to a surrendered life. Now, I promise you I wouldn't be long tonight, so go with me to the uh, Gospel of Luke in chapter number 5. In Luke's gospel, chapter number 5, we find another fishing extravaganza that the Lord is going to deal with uh, with Peter, and he's going to draw him closer to making him a fisher of men. Notice he said in John's gospel in chapter number 4 and verse number 19, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Notice now in Luke's gospel in chapter number 5, And if you'll bear with me, I want to read a good bit of our text and I'll be brief. And it came to pass in verse number 1, as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets, plural. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land, And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Let me ask you something if I may tonight and I don't have time to dwell here. But in John's gospel chapter number 4, Peter had surrendered his nets and his ship. Now we've gone to Luke's gospel chapter number 5. And Peter is involved in his old occupation, pre-calling, pre-surrender. And that's the way it is with the surrendered life. There's always a drawing to come back. There's always a drawing to step back into the old ways, the old habits, the old occupation, the old mindset, the old actions and deeds of our life. And so here we find in verse number four, now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, and Simon still, and I'll not dwell here, but he's still fishing in shallow water. And the Lord says to him, Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your, notice nets, plural, for a drought. Now I'd say that's a pretty clear cut command. Simon, you've been fishing in shallow water long enough. It's time to launch out into the deep. Launch out by faith and accomplish something great. And then he says to him, let down your nets for a drought. Now I want you to follow with me in our text. And notice in verse number 5. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night. And the word toiled carries with it hard labor, sweat, wearisome, toilsome labor. It's not just that they had casually went fishing. They had invested every ounce of their energy. It was a hard night's labor. But my friend, may I say to you, once you surrender something to God, it'll never be the same again. You'll never enjoy it again. You'll never have success again in that occupation and in that item you surrendered to God unless God divinely intervenes in that situation. Notice what he says in our text. We have toiled all night and have, watch this, taken nothing. Now, Peter was a fisherman by trade. He knew where to go fishing. When we'd go out on those drift boats and deep sea boats, they knew exactly where they were going. You don't just go fishing anywhere. Now, of course, today they have death finders, fish finders, and they do just about everything but bring the fish in for you. In fact, some of them will even do that. But not so in Peter's day. They toiled all night and took nothing. Can I say to you, when you and I give something to God and surrender, it's never the same. I don't even think they even caught seaweed in their nets that night. Because it wasn't the same. Now notice if you would please. Notice what Peter said. Nevertheless. Notice his flippant casual response. Nevertheless at thy word. I will let down. The net. Now wait a minute. Is that what the Lord asked him to do? He asked him to let down the nets. You know what Peter is doing? Peter is half stepping the will of God. He is only out to try to appease the master. He knows his heart is not where it ought to be. He knows he has surrendered his occupation and trade unto the Lord. He knows he's been caught red-handed. He now has his nets back. He now has his ship back. Jesus has used it for his glory in order to preach the word to the crowds. And now he says to Peter, Peter... If you're going to do it, it's time to launch out into the deep. Let down your nets for a drought. Now you'd have thought Peter would have learned his lesson. He'd already seen the water turn to wine. There are numerous miracles that Peter has seen in his life up to this point. And you would have thought that he would have learned his lesson. And if Jesus said, you're about to get a drought of fish, you would have thought he'd have believed him. But he doesn't. He's half-stepping the will of God. He is trying to appease God and his command. And so the Bible said he let down his net for a drought. Now notice in verse number 6, and when they had this done, they enclosed, watch this, is it any marvel or wonder? They enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their singular net break. Well, Peter, if you had a mind of the Lord you wouldn't have had your net break. If you let down your nets like he commanded, you'd have caught your catch. You say, preacher, watch the Lord trying to teach him on this fishing trip. In Matthew's Gospel 4, he taught him the importance of a surrendered life. And now in our text, he is teaching him the importance of submission. Amen. To do it my way. Peter, I know you know the... Sea of Galilee, I know you know where to go. I know you have the expertise, and I know you have the experience, but Peter, do it my way. It's the best way. You know, some of us sitting here tonight, possibly, if God were to open the windows of heaven, we wouldn't be able to handle it. You know why God didn't overwhelm most of us with his blessings and open the windows of heaven and open up the floodgates from heaven? Because he knows we can't handle it. Notice the Bible says Peter recognized that it was the Lord. and In verse number 8. Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And then in verse number 10, I must read this before we go to John's gospel and prepare to close. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were uh, partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, notice he addresses him specifically, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, watch this, the second time, they forsook all and followed him. We learned the surrendered life is not a one-time process. It is a continual, nonstop, conscious effort to surrender to the will of God. And now he is teaching them the importance and the power of a submitted life. I think about submission before I go to John 21. And I may have shared this with you in years past. I can't recall So if I did, just grin, smile, nod your head, say amen, and act like you've never heard it before. But I remember I was preaching up in Corona, British Columbia, Canada, a number of years ago with the People's Baptist Church, Pastor Claude Madel. And I remember that night in that conference, a missionary was there, and Brother Madel had him stand and give his testimony before I was to preach. In fact, I leaned over when the missionary was done. I said, preacher, there's no sense in me preaching after that. God's done his work and he stood and told how that God had called him down to uh, Mexico for the work of the ministry and they'd been there and they were having if I remember correctly it was the one year anniversary they had gone down by the river and the ladies you know they cook on those little uh, handmade uh, brick ovens and the children were playing by the river but normally it was only about knee deep it was no big deal but unbeknownst to them, they had been in dredging the river that week. And now where it was only a couple of feet deep, it was several feet deep. And all of a sudden, there were screams and wells from the side of the brink of the river. And Pastor, I ran over to the river and realized there were several of the children that were, had wandered out into the river and they were drowning. And Pastor Terry dove in uh, to save them, and he got out one and another and another and another until he was near exhausted. And uh, he was a fifth degree black belt in the martial arts and was in great physique and, and shape, but he was exhausted. He lined his children up with their parents, accounted for them, and of course made it off limits to the rest of the, of the outing as they celebrated their first anniversary. After a while, the lady said, Pastor, we're ready to eat and ask the blessing. And Pastor Terry gathered the church together, and as they bowed around together, he said, I bowed my head, and I said, Dear Heavenly Father. And he said, When I said those words, it was as if God spoke to me personally. And he said, It wasn't an altar voice, but if it had been, it couldn't have been any more clearer. Yeah. He said, Now, Terry, don't you be afraid for your little Rebecca's with me. They had 10 children. Rebecca was the least of the 10. I wish you could have seen the little hut they lived in or the little, I guess they called it a house or a cottage. It was very small, probably a third the size of our choir loft here at our church. And Brother Terry said, I fell to my knees and said, oh God, could it be that while I was saving the children of our families, my own little Rebecca, lay on the bottom of the river. He ran to the river and dove in and went down to try to find her and down again and again and again and again and again until he was exhausted. He come up, gasping for her, and he said, oh, God, please help me find the body of my Rebecca. Went down one last time, couldn't find her, and he pushed off the bottom of the river. When he did, they said there was something soft under my feet. And I went back down, and there was the lifeless, limp body of my little Rebecca. If I remember right, she was 10 years old. Said she was the most spiritual of all of our children. She wanted to be a, a missionary. She witnessed and told people about Jesus all the time. He brought her ashore and tried to resuscitate her and revival, but to no avail, God had already said, now don't you fear, she's with me. Brother Terry and Sister Terry buried their little Rebecca. They came back to America from Oklahoma City, where they were originally from. They stayed for a short time and returned to Mexico. And someone said to him, Brother Terry, after such loss, how can you return to the mission field? After your little Rebecca has gone to be with the Lord? Brother Terry responded, I must go. I cannot stay, for he has called me, and I must submit. In John's Gospel, chapter number 21, notice with me tonight, if you would please. And I would like to read it in its entirety, but I will not tonight. But notice, if you would please, and... Verse number one, this will be the third and final fishing trip of Peter that's recorded in the gospels and in fact in the entire scriptures. Each one is separate, each one is independent and each one God divinely works in his life and does a work. But notice in chapter number 21 now, in verse number 1, and after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas uh, Thomas, called Edmus, and Nathanael of Canaan Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They said unto him, we also will go with thee. They went forth and entered a ship immediately. Now watch this. And that night they caught nothing. I told you God never blesses anything that we surrender and give to him and we take back on our own power. Notice if you would please now. We'll go down to verse number four. But when the morning was now come... Jesus stood on the shore. Notice he let him labor all night long in the power and energy of the flesh. Peter surrendered in Matthew's gospel in chapter number 4. Peter learned submission in Luke's gospel chapter number 5. But now he's back fishing again. And the Lord says, okay, Peter, you want to do it your way? You can expend your energy in the flesh. But I'm not going to bless you. The Bible says, when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any meat? And they answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net, singular, on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. Now, Peter was a fisherman. I've done a little over the years. I've even cast some nets and sanded in my younger days. And you never throw your line in against the current except for certain types of fishing, but you don't do it when you're deep-sea fishing because your lines will sweep under the boat and entangle themselves. But notice what the Bible says. He said, "'Cast your net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find.'" They cast therefore now, they were not able to draw it in, or draw it for the multitude of fishes. Peter's learned the importance of submitting to the Lord. Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It's the Lord. And Simon Peter, uh, uh, now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked and cast himself into the sea. Now notice verse number 8. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits dragging the net of fishes. Now I want you to go with me if you would please. Uh, Down to verse number 11. Simon Peter went up and drew the net, singular, to land full of great fishes. Now I'm saying when we do it the Lord's way, you don't have to worry about it. It'll stick. But here's what I want you to notice. In Matthew's gospel, it doesn't give us the number of fish they caught in their net. In Luke's gospel, when the net broke, it didn't give us the number of fish in the net. But John under the divine inspiration and providence of God, told us exactly how many fish was in the net. Notice what the Bible says, a hundred and fifty and three. For all, there were so many, yet was not the net broken. You see, the Lord's teaching them here, sanctification. He's called him in... In Matthew 4, to a surrendered life. He called him in Luke's Gospel 5 to a life of submission. And now he's calling him to a life of sanctification. And he's telling Peter, Peter, don't do it your way. Cast on the right side and you shall find. Peter does it. He's learned his lesson in Luke's Gospel chapter number 5. And now their net doesn't break and they catch a hundred. Watch this. 153 fish. Now, have you ever wondered why the Bible gives us a number there? Now, I'm not a historian. I can only go by that which I read and study and come up. But I have read that they believe that in the Sea of Galilee in this era, there were exactly 153 different species of fish in the sea. Now, Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. When it... Be something if we get to heaven and find out that somehow in the providence of God, they caught one of every species of fish in Galilee. And now, wait a minute, it's not over. If you go to Acts chapter number 2, Peter's going to stand on the day of Pentecost. In fact, go there with me real quick and I'll be done. Notice in um, Acts chapter 2. The Bible said in verse number one, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And of course, you know, the Holy Spirit of God came, filled them with the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And the Bible said, if notice if you would please, and in and, uh, verse number, uh, number five, and there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men. Watch this, out of every nation under heaven. And so now Peter's going to stand. He's going to preach on the day of Pentecost. And somebody from every nation on the planet Earth is going to send him the sound of his voice. And God's going to make him the soul winner. He promised him in Matthew's Gospel chapter number 4. And he stands and preaches. And notice what the Bible says. The Bible said in verse number fourteen he stood, he preached, he proclaimed the gospel. In verse number forty one of the same chapter, then they that gladly received his word were baptized in the same day there were added unto them about three thousand souls. I'd say that's pretty good preaching, wouldn't you? To stand and preach and have 3,000 come to the Lord, I'd say God did a great work in his heart. I'd say when he surrendered and submitted and sanctified, God made him the soul winner that he wanted him to be. You say, preacher, I could never do that. Well, if you surrendered, submitted, and sanctified yourself, and until you do, you'd never know. He stands again in Acts chapter number 4. And 5,000 men beside women and children come to the Lord. Two sermons, 8,000 converted to Christ. He made him a soul winner. Now I've just skimmed, like skimming a rock at the side of a lake without sinking it. I've just skimmed the top of our text tonight. But I cannot help but believe. The God is calling people out of Bible Baptist Church for the work of God. But you've got to surrender. You've got to learn to submit. And you've got to sanctify yourself. Our fathers, we bow before you tonight. The scripture's been brief, but I pray you'll take every word and use it for your glory. Multiply it, I pray. The testimony of Brother Tooley tonight, the testimonies of your people, and the word of God, please do your work tonight. Help us to surrender, submit, and to set ourselves apart, sanctify ourselves for the master's use in Christ's name. Heads bowed and eyes closed as pastor comes take the invitation tonight. Why don't you come, make a fresh, full surrender, and submit to the will of God. Preacher.